from WDBM East Lansing. This is City Pulse on the Air. Joining you now, your Editor-in-Chief of the Lansing City Pulse, Burl Schwartz. Hello again, this is Burl Schwartz talking. Later, uh, we'll talk to the City of Lansing's first sustainability manager. First up, though, this is Black History Month, and as part of that, the Lansing Economic Area Partnership announced plans to expand opportunities for low-income people and communities of color in greater Lansing. To that end, it has formed its new Department of Equitable Economic Planning. Statistics show that the U.S. economy has lost an estimated $1.6 trillion due to discrimination since 2000. Tony Willis, who heads up the new department at LEAP, is determined to shrink that racial wealth gap in Lansing. City Pulse's managing editor, Kyle Kaminsky, interviewed Willis for our next cover story. Here's a glimpse at that. All right. So I guess to, to get started, I was hoping you could just uh, begin, Tony, by telling me a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you ended up in this position as Chief Equity Development Officer. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit about myself. Uh, originally from Oak Park, Michigan. Uh, I'm not giving my life story here either. Just give it like a <laughs> overview. <laughs> but um, yeah, but came up here uh, for high school, then went to Lance Community College, the MSU, and um, married my wife, was from Grand Ledge, and been here at least 18 years uh, since then, in that time period. Um, what did you study at MSU? I studied communications and sociology. Cool. Yep, absolutely. It's uh, so unique to get in the realm of economic development, but communication is one of those fields that you can apply anywhere. It's all about communication to some, to some degree. So from there, uh, was at the MSU Federal Credit Union for a number of years. Uh, I was able to meet my uh, predecessor, Jeff Smith, who was the, then the director of the New Economy Division at Leap. Uh, we connected, uh, he brought me in with Bob Zeitz at Leap. I've been at Leap now for going on seven or eight years. Uh, the exact number is blurry, but it's been a while. Uh, <laughs> um, and in my roles at Leap, uh, which kind of got me to the Chief Equity Development Officer, has been everything from a business acceleration manager, so working with high tech companies and growth scale companies, uh, to the vice president of the entrepreneur and innovation team. So everything entrepreneurial focus was under my umbrella in that space. And um, as well as we created a program in a subsidiary company underneath LEAP called Proto Accelerator, which I'm the president of, which is a subsidiary company of LEAP. And then um, we always talked about wanting to make sure we have a diverse representation in programming as a whole. And I think the time was just right. Uh, we had conversations starting probably second quarter last year about this branch out into a new division or a program or initiative, this is still hypothetical at the time, to make sure that we have equitable economic development practices uh, within the institution of LEAP itself. So I guess uh, you know, the title kind of speaks for itself, but you know, what's the point in having an econo- or an equity development uh, focus at LEAP? I, uh, what, why now and, and what's, the, what's the main driver behind this one? Yeah, uh, the main driver is that we really, understand here at LEAP that the economy works best when all can participate in the economy. But we also understand that there are obstacles for each different type of group and demographic and each obstacle is unique and they need unique solutions uh, to to solve them. And so with that, that's one of the main reasons why we formed this department. It's to be intentional and to address and hear what those issues are and then to address them as best as we can as an institution or be a change agent to help others 
that may be the one's uh, best position to help remove, dismantle, or create barriers through those obstacles, or create opportunities through those barriers. So how do you envision this department working in Lansing? Uh, give me a, a, an example of a, a few things that we can get started on right away here. Yeah, uh, for certain. One, uh, so under the DEEP initiative, we have three buckets. We have programs, collaborations, and policies. So those are like the three areas we have here. And this is our foundational year, but under programs, we have a uh, program of King Office helping convert DBAs to LLCs. Right. And then create a directory of those LLCs uh, for, for both people to uh, patron those businesses or for corporates to reach out to for, for, for contracts and procurement. Uh, reason why we're doing that, through research from Stanford, the PPP program uh, back in April, we saw that was disproportionately less black and brown businesses receive funding from that. And reasons why, because one of the main reasons why is because that through that process, the PPP program, they discredited DBA entity status. Well, come to have it, the majority around between 84 and 78% uh, that range between black and brown businesses are DBAs. So you have the majority of those two groups in this type of entity status and that entity status is already being discredited for this program. So we thought about, huh, let's do a systematic way to approach this. We have a number of applicants that came in, especially through the restart program last summer. And we have this demographic data and plus other programs that we run. So we're able to look at this and say, hey, let's start converting or at least make people aware that, hey, you could, are primed to convert from this DBA to this LLC, which would not just give you a better chance to secure our PPP funding, but other opportunities and benefits, whether it's the perpetuity of the, the length of the entity, the LLCs can last forever, uh, the, the limited exposure between your personal and your business with that as well, the ability to get bigger contracts. Most uh, corporations or institutions wouldn't necessarily deal with a DBA, they want an LLC because those other practices, other benefits are, are compounded. And so those are ways where we wanna address that in that space. That's one program. Mm -hmm. um, another program we already started in 2020 was the one and all program. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with, it's been very successful. It's focused on people at or below the Alice threshold as well as other underrepresented groups. And um, we say underrepresented is everything from Black, Indigenous people of color, women, veterans, those with disabilities, and beyond. So that's a unique option. You know, I say maybe in the nation, definitely within the state, the only one like it. I can't say in the nation, but definitely in the state of Michigan. Uh, so those are two programs for this year. For collaborations, mm -hmm. really working with and understanding and listening to uh, different communities. So we're in talks with a number of organizations that are both focused on Black and Hispanic economic empowerment independently of each other. So mm -hmm. think about the Black Business Alliance, the Melanated Business Alliance, uh, One Love Global, Transformative Gems, and, and other groups are out there that are forming are active in this space. And we make sure that we have our part of those conversations to understand what the needs are and see where the community wants to go. Same thing with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce is reconstituting itself for this year as well. So trying to one partner, understand what they're going to, but they're also offering resources, things that we've worked with as an organization for LEAP. So whether our bylaws, understanding, uh, connected to attorneys or information to make those organizations be in a, in a position to last longer and do more as well. 
No, we've had a, a bit of a, a cultural awakening, I guess you could say, and we're starting to see larger and larger cracks in the foundation of racial inequities across the country and here in Lansing. I'm wondering, do you see this as a, this new department as a direct response to some of the social unrest that we've seen over the last year? A direct response? I would say, it, you know, it definitely is a response, but as I mentioned before, we've had conversations before over the last year and a half or over, definitely in the last year, you know, before George Floyd's murder was brought to the attention of a lot of the disparities in COVID-19 and things of that nature. So we've had conversations as an organization about the need to diversify, make sure people feel welcome, understand the service that we offer. How can we better do those things as well? Then beyond that, really address certain issues, obstacles within those communities to make sure they have a better chance to reap the benefits of the economic process. So. I definitely think it was a tipping point. I wouldn't necessarily like the direct response was from last year. Talk to me if you can a little bit about why these inequities continue to exist in the business world and, and what sorts of factors the department can work to mitigate. Yeah, that's a great question there. Very, you know, also a very broad question. <laughs> right, yeah, right. So let's look broad questions. So let's cut it up in pieces here. Why they continue to exist. I think it's unfortunately, a lot of these things are deep rooted. And deep rooted things are hard to pull out and change. And so things might be changing, but they're so gradual, we might not feel it. Because we know everything's in constant motion in the world, right? But some things are going so slow, you never really understand or feel the changes. And unfortunately, the negative effects are still lingering until things are fully removed and rooted, uprooted. So that's that's one part. I also think, not just say I want to say education, but having a willingness to this goes back to intentionality and the willingness to actually do this type of effort and work. I feel like it's been such a hot subject or a topic matter that people might have saw that there's been discrepancies, but the real push to solve those might not have been there. And the fortitude and willingness from, from different groups may not have been there, or might have felt emboldened to do such. They might have thought oh, it was a good thing to do, but through politics and policies and systems in place, you know, that's, that's a battle for me. Some people might think that way. So I think those are reasons why uh, these, we see these changes, or we haven't seen the changes that we wanted to see in the time uh, that we want to see them in, uh, kind of out that way. Furthermore, I would say when it comes to Black business, you know, there's, like you mentioned, there's systemic approaches that folks maybe not wanting to do business or the idea of perceived notion of having biases towards a, a business of a certain demographic, whether Black or any other person of color or any other genre you would say. So I think those things all, and it's a broad answer, but how do I put it together for you there, as you know, in that space. How, but how we can address this is, is one, really understand and listen primarily. And that's where working with those groups and then empower other groups or what, to understand what our role is, economic development for the region. You know, we're not just the city, we're the region as a whole for lease. That's what we represent. And so that they can all apply some ideas and our thoughts to different areas, whether the cities or townships or different counties. Say, hey, these are things that we're doing here. And we want to see this happen as a region's economic development organization. And hopefully that you will all support us in these efforts because we believe that the most compelling and growing communities in the future are the ones that are the most welcoming and the ones that do the best job of taking out obstacles and presenting opportunities to people to have a chance to fulfill their dreams. That's the, that's the area where you'll see the biggest growth of population, the biggest growth where businesses will be attracted to, and the biggest growth of prosperity are those regions. And so let's do that because it makes economic sense.
beyond the moral imperative, it makes economic sense. They're trying to drive that that to that case. Thanks, Kyle. You can read more about what Leap is up to in the upcoming issue of City Pulse, which is available in print Wednesday. And uh, if you sign up for our newsletter, you can get it digitally early Wednesday morning as well. You're listening to City Pulse here on 89FM, The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. This week in City Pulse, our senior writer, Larry Cosentino, tied a lot of strings together in a look at what governments are doing to combat global warming and cope with the resulting climate change. As this week's City Pulse cover illustration suggests, an America that has been preoccupied with politics and the pandemic may be waking up to our environmental crisis. There are indications of that locally, and we're pleased today to talk about that with the City of Lansing's first-ever sustainability officer, Lori Welch. Lori, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to do it. Uh, last year, Mayor uh, Shore turned to you to fill this new post. Uh, tell us what you did for the city that led the mayor to choose you. Sure. So I've been working for the city of Lansing for over 20 years, um, primarily overseeing the recycling and solid waste operations. So um, pretty actively involved with trying to create environmental awareness and, and, and reduce our waste and manage our waste um, as best we can and um, doing a little bit of pollution prevention and stormwater um, management as well, but primarily with re- within the recycling and solid waste um, area. And uh, how will your new position uh, be different? Uh, I see uh, in Larry Cosentino's story that you have a staff of three, me, myself, <laughs> and I. What, what are the three of you going to do? <laughs> so the list is pretty long. Um, but, you know, it does include, you know, management of waste and minimizing waste. Um, so that is a key component of it. Um, but, of course, it's it's a, a lot more than just that. It's really honing in on climate action planning and um, resiliency projects, trying to re- reach carbon neutrality um, within city facilities, but also looking out into the Lansing community and developing a sustainability action plan um, beyond just, you know, city city sites. Um, it's looking at our transportation sector and um, trying to, you know, get to a point of where we are transitioning to electric vehicles and, and building out um, uh, that infrastructure, that charging infrastructure. Um, so the list goes on and on. Um, it's, it's largely looking at how to um, create green infrastructure in the Lansing area as best we can. And uh, Larry's story talks about a, a, a new coalition in mid-Michigan, a capital area sustainability partnership uh, of which you are a part uh, how important is it? Uh, how important is its work going to be? Well, I feel like it's going to be very important because none of us can do this on our own. Um, it is important for each, you know, county and city um, and township uh, and, and business, et cetera, and organizations to do their own part and get their own house in order, which is what Lansing's trying to do. But it's also really critical that we all work together. Um, 
this stuff doesn't have any borders. We all um, are working towards the same common goals. So it just makes sense that we pool our resources and put our heads together to try and, you know, combat this um, as best we can. And I think there's a lot of value in, you know, a shared vision and and shared goals. Um, And so there's a tremendous amount of benefit to pooling all those resources together. The article imparts uh, a feeling, I think, uh, that uh, maybe it won't be as bad here in the Lansing area and the Midwest in general as uh, we're seeing in Texas right now, as we have seen in California in hot weather. Um, First of all, are there good things to be said about our climate here that might protect us? Sure. I think that we do, we are insulated a little bit from some of those other um, dramatic events, but, you know, we just have to recognize that we have also seen our share of weather-related climate-driven events, too. I mean, we have had our share of localized flooding here in Lansing. We have had, you know, extreme heat. We have had extreme cold. And, um, you know, we might not have the wildfires that other parts of the country and world have seen, but we do experience, um, you know, climate change in our own way. So I think we have to really be mindful of that and work towards um, being able to adapt and being as resilient as we can. Uh, you're listening to City Pulse here on 89FM Impact. We're talking to Lori Welch, who is the City of Lansing's first ever sustainability officer. Uh, Lori, uh, try to give us a sense of your priorities. Uh, what, what is, where do you hope to be in five years? So our there's, there's long-term, short-term, medium-term <laughs> priorities. Um, and I would start out by saying in the immediate level, you know, we're going to really build this framework out so that we can meet those longer-term goals. Um, we have a climate action plan for our municipal operations now, and I have been drafting a community-wide sustainability plan um, ever since I started this. Um, we are looking to begin our um, commission, a sustainability commission very soon where we look to environmental and community leaders to help um, vet out that sustainability plan that I had been drafting and really um, get that fully adopted so that we can work together on those goals. But, um, you know, we're talking about carbon neutrality by 2040 within city operations. Um, We're talking about um, a 90% waste diversion for municipal operations by 2030. Um, And so those are some of the things that I'm working towards now that are, you know, pretty big, um, pretty big heavy lifts. And so we're looking at how the city does everything. What are our policies and what are our procedures and how we can incorporate sustainability planning into everything that we do. Um, One of the ways that I, I really think that we can do that initially is to incorporate a new procurement policy. So ensuring that everything that we buy, um, whether it's office supplies or big equipment and machinery, 
um, is purchased in the most environmentally friendly way. So is it energy efficient? Is it made out of recycled content? Can it be recycled or composted? Um, and so by by doing that, we can kind of um, make a big difference. We have a lot of buying power, and I think if all the cities um, in the region did that too, that it would really uh, make a pretty big difference. So those are some of the things that I'm working on. There, there are many, many more, but um, they they're going to take some time to get fully implemented. You just talked about things that government can do in its own operations. Uh, what, what do you think the role of, of the city should be, though, in uh, changing the way uh, our citizens deal with uh, energy? Mm-hmm. Well, I think first and foremost, um, it's important for us to provide a fair amount of education and outreach about this and to create an awareness. And I think a lot of people out there are already um, starting to understand how serious this is. But there are some easy things that people can do, and I think that's one of the things that that, that I can do um, right away in, in providing some tips for people and how they can reduce energy use in their own household and reduce their waste and recycle more and um, really make a difference. Um, so I, I think that's that's one of the things that we can um, have an impact on right away. Of course, recycling has been something that you have overseen in the city of Lansing, brought online during the uh, Bernero administration of home recycling. Mm-hmm. Uh, how How is that doing? I have seen some stories that suggest that it's getting harder to find uh, companies to to process recycled material. Mm-hmm. There's been some national news stories out there that have given, um, I think, a lot of people caused some concern out there. Um, but we have, I think, been fairly fortunate here in Lansing to have had a long-term uh, contract with a processor in Detroit for um, processing and separating and, and, and marketing all of our recyclable materials um, for quite some time, and we've done our due diligence in making sure that that operation is is handling things responsibly. Um, but I will say that we are um, on the verge of opening a new recycling facility right here in Lansing, something that we've been working on for um, the last several years, and and that's getting ready to open um, hopefully within the next month or so. And that will allow us to keep our materials local so we don't have to ship ship them across the straight state, which saves a lot of um, a lot of money and, and creates more efficiencies and reduces emissions by having that, you know, those trucks off the road now. Um, and and so that'll be a really great thing. And I think that'll, that in and of itself will create some awareness in this community. Lansing's never had a material recovery facility. Um, it's called a MRF for short. So I think that having that right here in our community, people are going to start to see it and understand more about the recycling cycle and what happens to the materials, where they go from there. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. So I, I'm confident that our private partner in this um, is is handling materials responsibly and and um, 
I'm excited about what's going to happen in the future with regard to recycling and waste management. Well, uh, thank you for uh, all you've done to help lead uh, our community into uh, recycling, and and good luck to you in uh, this new and very important role. Lori Welch, thank, you're welcome. Thank you for being on City Pulse. Thank you. This is City Pulse on 89FM, The Impact. I'm Burl Schwartz. And a programming note, I'm taking a break from the show for the next few weeks, and our producer, Skylar Ashley, will be sitting in. I'll talk to you again in April when there is hope for spring. And that does it for us here at City Pulse. I'd like to thank you, the listener. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. For City Pulse, this is Skylar Ashley, signing off.